Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 109. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today's episode, I think, is going to be very interesting for you, whether you are a therapist or a person who is interested in learning more about the different ways that therapy can be helpful, especially if you're interested in trauma. My guest today is someone who's an expert in a certain type of therapeutic intervention that I didn't know too much about, and I knew she knew a lot about it, so I wanted to ask her to come on to Therapy Chat. Before we get started with that, I wanted to touch base with you. This episode is coming out on October 20th, 2017, and my friend and colleague Charlotte Heiler Easley and I are hosting two retreats on November 2nd and November 3rd. As of now, the retreat on November 2nd, which is for non-therapists, the Authentic Self Retreat in Davidsonville, Maryland, combining Charlotte's relational equine-assisted learning and my training in the Daring Way, which is the highly experiential method based on the research of Brene Brown. The one on the second is almost full. We have maybe one space left. So if you were thinking of joining us and you're a non-therapist, please get in touch with me and we can get you registered. Or you can just go to my website, lauraregan.lcswc.com and click on retreats. But the second day, November 3rd, is just for therapists. And it's the same thing in terms of we will be using relational equine assisted learning and the daring way for this one day of stepping into the arena. And we have a few more spaces left. And I know why that is. I've had so much interest from so many therapists, but we therapists tend to focus on everyone but ourselves. 
So Charlotte wrote an open letter to therapists about our retreat. And I hope that if you might see yourself in this, that you might be persuaded to go ahead and make the time to join us on November 3rd. If payment is the issue, get in touch with me because we can work out some kind of payment plan that will work for you. Here is what Charlotte said. Therapists, Laura and I have a question for you. Are you disappointed our retreat is on a Friday? What if you asked your clients if they might reschedule because you're going to be out of the office that day doing a self-care retreat? Even as I write this, I can feel my stomach tightening for you. I get it. It's crazy vulnerable to ask our clients to mess with their schedules just because we want to do something that on the surface is not a funeral, surgery, or attending an event for those elusive CEUs. Why do we feel we have to justify ourselves to take time to care for our precious spirits, those resilient parts of us that pour out day after day? What would it look like for you to ask that client who has had a long-standing Friday appointment for the last year to come on another day? Maybe you don't relate to this, but it's often hard for me to ask my clients to accommodate my life. It's hard because I feel loyal to them. I'm asking them to pay me for that already scheduled time, and now I'm asking them to change it. It's hard because I know how much that one hour being heard helps them feel supported and strong for another seven days. It's hard because I have to, in some form or fashion, admit to them that I'm human and have a life outside that hour I spend with them each week. If I'm being real here, it's not only my clients I have a hard time asking. Sometimes it's my husband or my kids or my friends. And sometimes it's myself. For me, it's always myself. That's a Laura interjection there. That is why Laura and I jumped on the idea of this workshop for you. Yes, every one of you who day in and day out care for others. All of you who are loyal and learned and sometimes need to know that it's okay to take a day in, during the week to go fill up, replenish, be intentional, and restore your connected self without anyone needing anything from you. This retreat day isn't a magic formula to make everything right in your world. It's a day when our team will hold open a space in the arena just for you. A space where you will be able to lay aside all the have-tos. A space where you can practice standing tall and strong and aware that you are doing just fine. That you are enough. That you are brave. So write yourself a permission slip. Yes, that is part of the Daring Way plan of living wholeheartedly. Clear your schedule and come into the arena with us and our herd for a day of you. So I hope that might resonate for you because to me as a therapist, I will bend over backwards for everyone else. And it's really hard for me to take time for myself. Now, I'll admit it used to be much worse. I'm getting much better at this. But a few years ago, when I went to my first retreat for therapists, um, it was a whole weekend and it was across the country. It was not cheap between the travel costs and the cost of the retreat. And I had a really hard time justifying it to myself because there were no CEUs. It wasn't a training. It seemed indulgent to take a day just, well, for in this case, it was about five days, but it seemed very indulgent to take that time just for myself. But I convinced myself based on the idea that this time of tending to me will make me better at what I do as a therapist. 
kind of sad that I had to still justify to myself in terms of work and productivity. That's a perfectionism and workaholism. But in truth, I was worth it, even if it wouldn't change the way I show up in my professional life. But when we take this time for ourselves to connect, to connect within and to connect with a group of other caring people, it changes how we show up in our lives and in our work. So enough about that. If you're interested in joining us, visit my website. And if you need some kind of special payment arrangements, reach out to me at Laura and Laura Reagan, LCSWC.com. I'm sure we can figure it out. So back to episode 109. I know I gave a lot of description about my guest, but I didn't tell you who it is. My guest is Beth Medina. She is a therapist in Jacksonville, Florida, who uses brain spotting. And she is really knowledgeable about this method. So once again, I've heard about it. I didn't really understand it, even though a couple people who do it have tried to explain it to me. I just wasn't really getting it. But Beth laid it all out and helped me understand how brain spotting works and how it helps people and how she uses it and how the training goes and all that stuff. So settle in and enjoy my interview with Beth Medina about brain spotting. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm really excited to be bringing you a conversation with Beth Medina, who is a licensed mental health counselor in Jacksonville, Florida. Beth, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, Laura, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted. I am too. I'm so excited. We've known each other through Facebook and we're both trauma therapists. But when I realized how much you know about brain spotting, I was like, I have got to have her talk to my audience so they can understand more about brain spotting. And I want to understand more about it because I've heard about it a lot, but I really don't know that much. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. If you would talk a little bit for our audience, just more about yourself and your work. Absolutely. Thank you. So I've been a therapist for the past 20 years. I started off in addictions, and it didn't take me long to figure out that, you know, addictions don't really occur in a vacuum. And so about 16 years ago, I started becoming interested in doing more research in trauma work, and I got trained in EMDR in 2001. And I will tell you, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had, just to see how something can, uh, can transform a person's life in such a short period of time. And so about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, I started my private practice. And as I continued to use EMDR, I kind of, even though I still enjoyed it, it, something kind of felt like it was missing. And so I got trained in many different modalities, including clinical hypnosis and emotionally uh, EFT tapping. And I, you know, things were good, but something was still missing. And I came upon brain spotting back in 2009 originally, as I was being trained in natural flow EMDR, which is a form of EMDR that David Grant, who is the founder of brain spotting, came up with. And at first, you know, it was, I wasn't really sure exactly what he was doing that was um, much different with, um, than EMDR. Um, with EMDR, we do eye movements back and forth. And I saw you know, David was slowing down the eye movements and he was using more techniques from somatic experiencing uh, with grounding 
and, um, and helping a person be resourced. And that was really wonderful and effective. But he was also using this technique that he discovered called brain spotting back in 2003. And so I'm just really excited that I get to talk about my love of brain spotting today and expose your listeners to all the different ways that we can use brain spotting. Um, it's not just for trauma. It's not just for anxiety or even therapy. It's even um, an incredible tool to use for performance enhancement and uh, to get past blocks uh, for actors and actresses to improve their their character um, and their roles and all sorts of different things. So I appreciate being here. Wow. Now, you have a lot of street cred in brain spotting. So tell people your credentials because you're like the Southeast regional something. Oh, well, <laughs> as, part, as part of the work that I do, I am on the board of directors for the Southeast Brain Spotting Institute, which thank you so much for bringing that up. I <laughs> love to give brain spotting um, and Southeast Brain Spotting a plug. Um, we are a not-for-profit or nonprofit 501c3 agency. Um, or institution, and our focus is bringing education about brain spotting to communities and also doing research, and our eventual goal is to be able to to provide people who can't afford therapy access to brain spotting therapy as well. So um, I serve on that board, and I am a certified brain spotting practitioner, and also I'm a certified brain spotting consultant, so I'm able to do consultation for therapists who are learning brain spotting, who want to become certified in brain spotting, and who just want to get better at it. So Fabulous. Thank you. So before we get more into really what brain spotting is, if you, do you do that kind of consulting everywhere or only in Florida? No, I can do that consultation anywhere. Um, and there are many of us around um, the states and also internationally. So if somebody is looking for for brain spotting consultation, they're welcome to email me at beth at brainspottingjacks.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-S-P-O-T-T-I-N-G-J-A-X.com. Or they also can go to brainspotting.pro, and there's a list of therapists and certified therapists there, or they can check out brainspottinginternational.com, and there's also a list there as well. Perfect. I'll make sure that's in the show notes so people who are listening and didn't catch it can can get right to those websites and your email. Thank you. Perfect. Sure. Okay. So when you were talking about how you kind of evolved into doing brain spotting, you talked about doing EMDR and then David Grand using somatic resourcing or somatic experiencing techniques with EMDR. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you learned brain spotting from that. Is that right? Well, that's how I was first introduced to brain spotting. See, David Grand um, was a master EMDR therapist, one of the first therapists trained by Francine Shapiro, um, from what I understand. And he created this natural flow EMDR that's actually much more resourcing. One of the complaints that people have about EMDR sometimes is that it's too activating and, uh, and they become too upset and it's difficult to manage what comes up in between sessions. And so David was interested in doing something that would be more grounding. So he got trained in somatic experiencing and incorporated EMDR and somatic experiencing into this type of EMDR called natural flow EMDR. And so once I studied that and learned that, and I kind of was introduced to this brain spotting thing, I slowly but surely became more interested and got trained several years later in brain spotting, and I haven't looked back. <laughs> So just to make sure that everyone who's listening is on 
the same page with us. Will you tell people what you mean when you say grounded and resourcing? Absolutely. So when we're talking about being grounded, that means feeling present in the moment. When we experience stress in any sort of form, we can feel kind of like we're floating sometimes or our focus is more on what's happening internally, either with our thoughts or the sensations um, that we're experiencing. And we don't really feel like we're connecting with what's happening here and now in the moment. And so grounding is when we're able to to feel ourselves present in the room. And resourcing is kind of a broader term. So all of us have internal resources that we don't really think about all of the time. But if you think about an ability to perhaps feel confident or stay calm in the moment or stay present and curious, that's an example of a resource. We have external resources as well. We have supportive people in our lives. We might also have a um, a spiritual connection to something that we believe in that's greater than we are, and so so on and so forth. Okay, so being resourced is like what you do when you're not okay that helps you become okay again. Sure. So if you're having, uh, let's say that you're having an argument with your boss and you feel like your boss is being extremely uncooperative (laughs) and you feel yourself kind of losing your temper a little bit, a way to resource yourself is um, to... Can ask yourself, okay, what is it that I really need in this moment to feel like I am, I can calm myself down or be more in control? So maybe I need to focus on my breathing. Maybe I need to remember that, you know, this is a job and that it's not the rest of my life. Maybe I need to remember that he's not my spouse and that's a good thing. You know, <laughs> so anything that we can do in order to uh, to help us be in what's called the window of tolerance. So years and years ago. In the book, The Developing Mind, I think it was in 1999, that Dan Siegel, who is a, um, an expert in, um, in neurobiology, uh, came up with the term, the window of tolerance. So if you think about a window, there's a space above the window and a space below the window. The space above the window is a space where, if that's where we are in our emotional state, we are overwhelmed, we're anxious, we, um, we can't think clearly, and we are overreactive. If we're under the window, of tolerance. We are either depressed or we're numb, uh, dissociated. And so the goal really is for us to be in the window of tolerance, which really means that we are able to think and feel and remain calm and, um, and, and interested in just the process of what's happening. And we can tolerate whatever's happening in those moments. Thank you. So that was a little bit of background. So everyone can just get caught up and make sure they know what you're talking about. Because you know, I don't want them to get lost and wait, what are these concepts when, you know, we really want to be talking more about what brain spotting is and how it works and all that good stuff. Sure. So what is brain spotting? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for asking. Some people just laugh at the name and then don't really go uh, much farther into looking into what it is. Brain spotting is what um, David Grant refers to as a brain based psychotherapy model. And what he means by that is that we are tuning into the what's happening neurobiologically with the client um, as well as what's happening relationally with them. So if you think about how trauma occurs and some theories about, uh, about why trauma you know, get, uh, happens to some people and doesn't, or the uh, traumatic stress happens to some people, doesn't happen to others. When you're, when you're in an experience where you don't have control and you're unable to either fight and get to safety 
or flee and get to safety. What happens is is that the trauma gets trapped. It gets um, frozen in time because we're not able to totally shake off what's called the freeze response. So, uh, so when we're looking at how what brain's body is and how it works, it's a therapy that actually uses the visual field in order to pinpoint places where trauma may be held in the brain and body. And that's kind of hard to even conceptualize. But if you think about this, David Grant says that where we look actually affects how we feel. And we've all had the experience where we're upset by something and we kind of are staring at something but not really anything. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you tune into that, you'll notice that if you're just curious about what's happening in your in your mind and in your body and just stay with that instead of having that kind of inner commentator comment about everything that you'll actually start to feel better and so it's it's a it's a process that uh, is also referred to as a focused mindfulness process and so with brain spotting we find the place in the visual field that where the person feels the most activation around an issue and david grand uses the term activation um, instead of disturbance because disturbance is you know many things to many different people, mm. and so when we find the place in the visual field that where a person can get access to what's bothering them, the client looks at a certain place, and sometimes we use a telescopic pointer in order to hold the place for the client, and they're able to just mindfully notice what's happening and let it kind of unwind, as we as the therapists are there to hold that space and keep them safe. And so what ends up happening is a really beautiful thing. Not only are we attuning to the neurobiology, watching reflexive movements and what's happening with the client, watching their breathing. So we're kind of uh, there with them through that processing of the traumatic experience. But we're also there as another human sharing that experience with them. You know, one of the things that happens with trauma is that we get so, um, so triggered because we are, in a state where we may die or we are completely helpless and we're also alone. There's nobody there many times. And so brain spotting is able to hold that space with clients and for clients. And the client knows that every moment of every, of any place that the, that the trauma processing goes, that we as the clinician are there with them. Mm. So there's an attachment piece to it. Yes. 100%. Interesting. And you know, attachment, I'm just thinking, I always try to, use what I already understand. Of course, that's how we learn, I guess. But, you know, I'm like, hmm, I'm thinking about how connection with the eyes is part of building attachment, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And unfortunately, it's also part of, um, of building trauma. You know, if you think about the orienting response. So if you're walking through the woods and yeah, it's a beautiful day and you're just enjoying, you know, the fresh air and beautiful scenery and all of a sudden to your left you hear rustling in the bushes if we slow it down what we'll see is this that first your eyes are going to dart over to the to the left and then your head is going to turn and your body is going to stop in that freeze position and we do that to check out what it is friend or foe you know is it a sweet little bunny rabbit or is it a rattlesnake you know and if it's a sweet bunny rabbit we might actually approach and if it's rattlesnake we're not going to approach we're going to do one of two things. We're going to fight or we're going to run. And if neither is possible before the rattlesnake bites us, now we are in a state of freeze where we're helpless and powerless. 
And so in that experience, we, we have, we are now set up to be traumatized. And so brain spotting helps the client find that, find where that place or where that trauma is held in the brain and therefore in the body and unwind it mm. so that it no longer has to, um, has to cause distress. So when that point is found, like you said, how the telescopic thing might be used to hold the spot, mm-hmm. what is done? How, how is it unwound? Well, the brain has an amazing ability to heal itself. And so we are tapping into the, the brain's innate ability to unfreeze the trauma. Um, Robert Scare is, is a, a top researcher in trauma. And in his book, uh, The Body Bears the Burden, I believe that's the book, he talks about, about something he, that he defines as dissociative capsules. So if you picture like, like a capsule, like a pill, in the brain, when we are traumatized by something, the freeze response gets trapped in what in what he calls this little dissociative capsule. Mm-hmm. And so we have to find a way of unlocking that. Brain spotting seems to be able to find those capsules and let it kind of process and disintegrate. And so the adaptive information we keep and the information that's no longer needed is um, is digested. Beautiful. So, I mean, it sounds like a great way to process trauma. Is it, mm-hmm. is it talking about it once it happens or is it feeling it in the body or just letting it's it pass? Most, yeah. <clears throat> brain spotting is, is, a, is a brain and body based therapy. So what happens mm-hmm. is the client is attuning to what's happening physically in the body and looking at that, at that certain point. We also use bilateral music um, that just helps allow the parasympathetic nervous system response to uh, to kick into gear. That's the rest and digest response. And so the client is just attuning to what's happening just from a mindful perspective. Um, so without judgment as, as best they can, just being with the thoughts and sensations, whatever wants to come up because the, their brain and body knows exactly what they need to look at and to, um, and to experience in order to heal. Hmm. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. So what is the therapist doing while the the person is processing? Are they just holding space? Holding space, literally holding the pointer. And we're also watching what's happening neurobiologically. You know, obviously we're not seeing into the brain, but we can see what's happening on a person's face, body language, posture, breathing. So we're attuning to that. And so we're kind of watching the waves of processing happen. But at the same time, 
as we hold that space, we are that that figure that, that looks at the person in a way that they know that they're not alone and that they can get through this. So mm. we sit very quietly during brain spotting. Um, it's not the kind of therapy where the therapist is very directive and it's by design because what we know is that when we are too directive, we miss a lot. You know, it's, it's really a no assumptions model. And so the more we assume, the more, the more we actually miss. And if we're assuming too much about our clients, we can actually cause more relational traumas. So the mm-hmm. therapist is attuning to what's happening with the client moment by moment. In brain spotting, we talk about being in the tail of the comet. And so the client is the head of the comet and we are the tail because the head is, is the part of the comet that moves the comet and that decides where it goes and what direction it goes. The tail does not move it. You know? So as long as we are staying with the client moment by moment and watching their process, uh, the trauma unwinds very beautifully and very gently, which is one of the things that really attracted me to brain spotting in the first place. Yeah. So it sounds amazing. And how quickly does it work? Because it sounds like it's all happening like in one session, but I, I guess it probably depends on what the person's experienced. I can't, I can't imagine any trauma healing just being completely done in one session, but. Well, if you're, if you're talking about complex trauma, then certainly not. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, there, there are what we call simple traumas, which doesn't mean that it's not a big deal. It just means that it's not connected to other traumas. Um, those certainly can heal in one session. You know, Mm. one of the great things about brain spotting is that we don't need a two hour session or 90 minute session. You know, you can do brain spotting in a 60-minute session, in a 45-minute session, in whatever time you have. Now, certainly, the longer the better because we get to kind of uncover more stuff. But the brain continues to process after sessions. And so what David Grant says is that when the client is in the office with us, we are that's sort of the launching point, but that they are going to be in a, in a better place when they return to your office than even when they left because um, of, of the resourcing that brain spotting gives and also the continued processing that happens underneath the surface. Yeah, that's really cool. And, you know, I always think of complex trauma because that's that's what I work with the most. Yeah. You know, and so. with complex trauma, you know, you always, I mean, I can't say always, I guess. I don't want to be an extremist, but I can't think of a client in my 16 years as a trauma therapist who had uh, complex trauma who didn't also have relational traumas. Attachment issues, you know, exactly. And certainly, you know, having attachment issues can set a person up for having more trauma. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So the beautiful thing is that we can work on a childhood trauma and, you know, on a specific event. But at the same time, there's there are attachment repairs that, that we are doing just below the surface with the client. That's not really the focus of um, of the therapy, but it's happening behind the scenes. You know, we know that that the best way to heal trauma is through brain and body based therapies because trauma lives in the midbrain. It doesn't live in the rational brain. Mm-hmm. And if it did, we wouldn't need therapy for it. Yeah. Could just read a book and figure it out. Yeah. Or just know better. right? <laughs> <laughs> so will you talk a little bit? You said it, how it's a no assumptions model. Will you talk a little bit about what you said before we started recording about certainty? Absolutely. So um, it was Socrates that said, there's one thing I know, and that's that I know nothing. <laughs> and so David Grand uh, uses that quote often in training. And, 
you know, his thing is that if we think that we know, then we definitely have it wrong. So brain spotting is a no assumptions model. Also, um, you can think about the uncertainty principle, uh, Heisenberg, not that I know anything about, about physics or quantum physics, but um, if we know that we can't possibly know what's happening in the process with the client, then we don't have to be the expert as the therapist. And, you know, being a therapist for, for 20 years, I've seen a lot of, of therapists get really depressed and feel really anxious about the work that they're doing simply because they have this belief that they have to be the expert. You know, it's something that we learn in graduate school. Well, you learn this, you know, this theory and you learn how to do this kind of work because, you know, we are, we are the ones who are supposed to do the healing. But what we know is that there is nothing that I can do as a therapist that can help somebody heal except to really hold that space and give them the right tools in order for their brain and body to start that healing process. You know? So brain spotting actually isn't just a therapy that helps clients. It can really be useful and helpful for therapists. First of all, because you don't have to know it all. And when, you, when you're off the hook for knowing it all, it allows for this beautiful process of curiosity um, where you can just sit with it and see what happens. You know, I look at it like um, it was fun. I was at the beach this morning looking for shark's teeth. And I, I was really struck with the thought that, you know, if my goal here is to just find shark's teeth, I may be disappointed. But if my goal is to enjoy the moment by moment experience and just see what happens and unfolds, it's going to be glorious, no matter whether I find one shark's tooth or 20. And so if we look at the work that we do as therapists, as you know what, we, of course, would like to see our clients heal in certain ways. But if we are able to just be present for them and give them the tools that can help unlock what's underneath for them, they can meet their goals and we can really enjoy that process at the same time. When we are targeting traumas with clients, just as trauma therapists like you are, Laura, as well, there are times when it can feel kind of overwhelming even to us, you know, and one of the worst things that we can do as clinicians is to, A, pretend like it doesn't affect us because it does, because we're human, we're not actually robots. Exactly. Um, that's why we're, that's what makes us good at what we're doing. If we were robots, we wouldn't be good at it. Yeah. And you know what? Robots need maintenance too. So. <laughs> <laughs> even robots. Exactly. Even robots. So if we are able to just be with the client and not have to have every single answer, we're able, we're able to stay within our window of tolerance too. You know, so we see a client who might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed and we're there with them. That's what they need in that moment. Instead of um, I'm going to say this fancy thing and or uh, or have this intervention, because maybe that's not what the client needs at the time. You know, as an EMDR therapist early on in, in my career, one of the things that that I found was that sometimes I would be interrupting the client too soon, and that would throw off the process. And of course, you know, EMDR is a wonderful therapy, but it's it's much more scripted and, and much more protocol driven. Than, than brain spotting is. And so I find that brain spotting allows me as a therapist to be able to just be present and let the beautiful work unfold. 
you know. And it's very grounding for me to be able to do that because I don't have to know everything. And even though I would like to think I know everything, <laughs> I get really in a lot of trouble when I think that way. And then it also allows the clients to find that the answers are within them. And I think that's really something that's missing for a lot of people. Of course. And as long as we play into that dynamic that we are the ones with the answers and they are the ones who have to seek the answers from us, we're disempowering and having a, you know, a one up, one down type relationship with the client, which, as you said before, can be relationally re-traumatizing and, Mm -hmm. you know, create new attachment ruptures for them. Exactly. Yeah. It's also really a lot of pressure on the therapist. Mm -hmm. If you've got to, if you've got to know everything, you know, how is it that we could possibly know what the client needs better than the client? You know, I mean, we, we all, we've all had that experience where we have had that inner knowing about something and maybe we ignored it, but once we allow it to come to the surface, it's like, yeah, I knew it all along. And if we are the experts in therapy, we rob our clients of the opportunity for that, for that exploration and that discovery too. That's true. And I don't know about you, Beth, but for me, when I've gone to therapy, it's not like I go in there thinking, oh, this person knows me better than I know myself. Um, Mm -hmm. They're going to, they're going to fix everything. I think, you know, I'm going to go do this and it's going to help me, but I'm still thinking that it's within me and not Mm -hmm. just because I'm a therapist, but because It's true that for each person, no one can know us better than we know ourselves. We only tell the therapist what is going on with us so that they can tell us, oh, that could be related to this or, you know, and maybe teach us some things, but not, Mm -hmm. no one can know what's going on inside your head as well as you do. Mm -hmm. And we are totally misattuning if we think that we do know what's happening or what, you know, what's best for a client in every single moment. Right. Which is, again, you know, an attachment. Attachment rupture. Yeah. So the message is let go of control. Well, and we don't even have control. Stop trying to actually take control and just watch what happens and let things unfold beautifully. I mean, therapy is a mindfulness practice for both the therapist and the client if we allow it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let go of the illusion of control. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a reminder to myself. Yeah. So... When we were just talking, you were saying how brain spotting can help therapists as well as clients. In, um, and it made me think about what you were saying about, you know, a, a robot needs to be maintained as well. And mm-hmm. the effects of vicarious trauma, secondary traumatic stress exposure in our work as therapists. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Can brain spotting be used by therapists for obviously outside of the therapy session with clients for um, our own recovery from the trauma exposure that we have through work? Of course. Um, There is a type of brain spotting that is a self-care wonderful tool called self-brain spotting. Mm. And I actually just presented on on self-care for therapists and using self-spotting in order to ground therapists in and out of session, and also um, work past different blocks that they may have regarding their practices and um, and difficulties they're having with clients. So absolutely. And there is a big difference between brain spotting and self-brain spotting. In self-brain spotting, we it's a total resourced model. So we're not going to, um, to look for activation with 
for somebody to be upset and then find a place in the visual field like we would with a therapist. We are going to, um, say, let's say that we had a session that was really pretty heavy and it feels like it's still with us. Well, what is it, what, you know, I'll ask you, Laura, when you have that session, what is it that you really need? What resource do you need in that moment in order to feel like you can move on from it? Mm, sometimes I feel like I just need it to be, it's like I can get that story stuck in my head a little bit or, you know, I may feel sadness about it or something. So I feel like I need to either express or like release in some way. Right. Okay. So you might find a place in your visual field where you can connect with that sensation of releasing in your body. Another great thing to do is to, to connect to a protective figure or a nurturing figure, um, which can be anyone from a storybook character to, um, to a higher power of some sort or a religious figure. And we find a place in the visual field where we can feel the presence of that nurturing figure. And I like to actually feel the nurturing figure taking that heaviness from me. Well, I love that. It's a really beautiful <laughs> process. And it's something that sometimes if I've had a really bad day, I'll get in the bathtub with some Epsom salts and I'll do some self-spotting at the same time and, and just let that totally wash off of me. I know that you said that we can't use brain spotting or self-brain spotting in session, but believe it or not, you actually can, you know, tell a little bit about how to do that. Yeah. So, so grounding is one thing that's really important. And of course, no matter what kind of therapy you're doing, you're always going to fall out of attunement with a client in and out, in and out, especially if what they're talking about or what's happening might make you remember something that's happened with another client of yours or um, maybe even in your own life or your stomach growls because you haven't really been eating very well, <laughs> mm -hmm. clients back to back or whatever. So if you need to be grounded in session, you find a grounding spot before session and you connect to it. And this is something that until you experience it, it's really kind of hard to understand what I'm talking about. But if you practice a grounding resource spot, you know in your visual field where that is, and you will kind of always have a felt sense of where it is. So you can go to that spot very, very quickly. So in session, when I'm, when I'm with a client and I'm feeling a little bit ungrounded, what I will do is I will take a deep breath and I will look at, at my grounding brain spot just for like one or two seconds. And then I'll go back to the client. You know, when we're talking to somebody, we don't stare them down all mm -hmm. the time. You know, we, we always avert gaze when we're talking just because we're accessing information. It's not that we're trying to avoid eye contact per se, you know. So it's a natural thing that we can do in session. But it's also a nice way to kind of you know, to clear out that sense of overwhelm and to get present in the session again. So if I understand you... Get grounded while looking looking at a spot, and then you go back to that feeling of being grounded by looking at that spot again. Or do you actually mm -hmm. do something? Do you have to find the the field where you feel the grounded feeling first? Well, you know, you can. The easiest thing to do in session is to let your body. You know, when you practice this before session or even like at the beginning of the week, for example, your eyes are going to find a certain spot where you feel the most grounded in your body. So okay. let's say that, so you would scan your body head to toe and see, you know, where do I feel the most grounded in my body right now? So if we use a scale from zero to 10, where 10 means most grounded, 
you know, as you do that right now, you might say, oh, you know, that's weird. I kind of feel most grounded in my left foot. Mm -hmm. Or um, I might feel, I don't feel grounded at all. I feel like I'm floating. But there might be one, like, you know, like the tip of my pinky finger on my left hand, <laughs> I, I feel grounded. Well, that's going to be the physical sensation that connects to that feeling of resource groundedness. And then what I would do is focus on that on that body sensation and just let my eyes find that uh, place in my visual field. Now, it's easier to do it with your eyes closed a lot of time. And just as you focus on that body sensation and that feeling of being grounded, your eyes will naturally rest on a certain place. And once you know that your eyes have rested and you feel and you're starting to feel that sense of groundedness increase, you're welcome to open your eyes and see what you're looking at. Because eyes open or eyes closed, our eyes can um, can stay in one spot. Hmm. Really interesting. I mean, that is like pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. And so I um, I'm starting to do some recordings just just for fun and just just for um, for therapists in order to um, to help them learn how to do this. Um, the, the, the procedures in uh, David Graham's book, Brain Spotting, um, which came out a few years ago. And so therapists certainly can read that. But, you know, I think it's kind of easier to get uh, some instruction. So once I get that up, I'm happy to, you know, to give that resource to your listeners. Yeah, that would be great. If you make a video that relates to what we're talking about, I can link to it in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, this is like interactive. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> Therapy yeah. is. That's right. So who can use brain spotting? What what types of issues that people come to therapy for will it help with? Well, if um as David Grant says, you know, if you have brain activity, then you can use brain spotting. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, brain spotting, um, I like to think of it like the magic eraser of therapies, you know. So you could use it on anything really. Most people come into therapy because, you know, they're having anxiety symptoms, they can't sleep, they're having relationship issues, and maybe they can't control their temper, depression issues, and they feel really, like, sluggish or unmotivated. So it can work on any therapy issue that people, you know, seek therapy for, but that's not all it works on. It's amazing how well brain spotting can, can be used to improve performance. So when I'm working with a coaching client, uh, let's say that I have a therapist who is about to to give a presentation and they're feeling nervous about it. Well, what we do is we find the place in the visual field that, that corresponds to that nervousness and maybe those negative thoughts of, I'm going to say something stupid and people are going to hate me and all those kind of things that happen. And so they unwind that trauma and once that's gone, then we're able to find a place in the visual field in which they can connect to feeling what they want to feel. They want to feel confident. They want to feel, you know, relaxed. They want to feel interesting or funny or whatever it is. We can find that internal resource in the body and find a brain spot that goes with that. And then when they are actually given the presentation, they can look at that brain spot momentarily and just kind of connect to it as they're given a the presentation. One of the great things I do in my free time is I volunteer. Um, I'm on the board of directors for the Performance Academy in Jacksonville, Florida, and we are a nonprofit that does a lot of amazing work with kids who um, wouldn't get the chance to experience performing arts otherwise. So we do a lot of work with foster kids, and especially teen foster kids, which um, is a difficult population. And honestly, there aren't a whole lot of um, programs that 
that we'll see some of the kids that, that we see just because of, um, of, of criminal behavior. But mm. I'm able as a brain spotting performance coach to go in and help these kids learn stage presence and work through some of that nervousness and connect to that place in their visual field where they can feel like, yeah, I've got it. And it works so incredibly quickly with kids. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> and the coaching for a performance is like, wow. I mean, I'm thinking, yeah. now I'm thinking of all these people I know, including myself, who could benefit from that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's how I got off of insurance when I, um, you know, I've been in private practice for over 10 years. And, um, you know, insurance was literally killing me. Insurance panels that you were yeah. accepting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, because there are so many demands and, and they, they don't pay very well. And then, of course, sometimes, you know, they um, they deny payment. It could be years later. They decide, oh, we made a mistake and they take money back. And so my stress level really was getting way, way too high. And I developed a heart arrhythmia as a result of it. So I knew I had to do something in my practice to to change it. So, you know, I had always wanted to uh, to go off of insurance and be strictly self-pay, but that seemed like way too scary for me. And so I was like, well, I can use this brain spotting stuff to work through that stuff. And I did. And and I did. So <laughs> so I no longer am an insurance provider. I, I have a, a psychotherapy practice that's strictly self-pay. And it's beautiful because I'm able to give 100% to each and every client every time without feeling totally drained. And so that was my goal. And uh, so since I was able to do that, I've been able to help other therapists do the same thing with brain spotting. That's awesome. I mean, I don't accept insurance either. And I, I get that, you know, there's a place for it. And there are many practices that accept insurance and I don't judge, but for myself. Yeah. Well, for me, part of it was, you know, I don't want to abandon these clients. And I had to, when I worked through that with brain spotting, I was like, it's not abandonment. You know, I mean, first of all. You can't uh, abandon yourself. Right, right, exactly. But, you know, actually, a lot of the clients that I had through insurance stayed with me. I mean, yeah. I was, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was really surprised because they were like, no, no, I, I, I need brain spotting <laughs> mm. and I need you. So it's been a really marvelous journey. And I've been able to kind of peel back a lot of those misconceptions that I had about um, what it would be to be a strictly self-pay practitioner. And it's really great to work with clients who really are interested in and value their health in a way that they actually are happy to pay out of pocket for, for services. And then it opens up the space for you to be able to work with people who can't afford the services but still need and want the help through absolutely. the volunteering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been able to, to absolutely to see more pro bono clients, more sliding scale clients, and also to do even more volunteering through the two nonprofits that I'm a part of too. So it's been amazing. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I give back in other ways by volunteering, being on boards and giving my time and, you know, stuff like that. Awesome. Well, Beth, it's been really wonderful to talk to you about this. I'm sure this happens to me in every episode. When I talk to people about what they do, I'm like, okay, I need to go learn that. And <laughs> suddenly I'm like, you know, 100% wanting to do it myself. But um, I'm sure a lot of people are feeling that way. So those who are 
looking for consultation in brain spotting or maybe have more questions, hopefully they can find your videos on your website. Yeah, so they can go to Brainspotting Jacks. That's Brainspotting, B R A I N S P O T T I N G, J A X, like Jacksonville, dot com. And uh, all my information is there. They're welcome to email me with questions about brain spotting, about consultation, about coaching, about therapy, whatever. Even if, you know, um, if I cannot help you, um, I am totally willing and able to find you a therapist has brain spotting training who can help you or also hook you up with a consultant in your area if you prefer to do face-to-face if you're out of the Jacksonville area. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I am so glad that we talked about this today. And I know you are such an interesting person. I know this is just one facet of what you do, but I really appreciate your enthusiasm and taking the time to be on Therapy Chat. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thanks again for listening to Therapy Chat. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Beth Medina. She is so knowledgeable about many things, and particularly right now about brain spotting. So if you're interested in learning more, visit her website. Thanks as always for listening to Therapy Chat. I appreciate your support. I would be grateful if you would visit iTunes or whichever platform you listen to Therapy Chat on and leave a rating and review. Also, if you haven't already, download the app from iTunes Store. Sorry for iTunes only right now, but if you like listening to Therapy Chat, it's a great way to keep the episodes organized. Last but not least, shout out to a few listeners who I met yesterday in a CEU training on ethics in Pikesville, Maryland. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for saying hi. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.